Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me over the airwaves uh, with his newfound internet connection in For Fox Sake HQ2, it's Rob Hayes, uh, Sheffield's own Rob Hayes. Would you believe they've actually got internet all the way up here and somebody came round and rigged it up for me today? Oh my word, did they have a red and white striped shirt on? <laughs> no, but a lot of people do around here and i tell you what, they're, um, I'm quite glad actually that I'm not starting work yet because they're all Sheffield United fans and I don't, I don't really know if there's a right outcome for us this weekend. I know we'll get on to talk about previewing the game, but... Do you mean a right outcome? Of course there's a right outcome. No, no, no. For for me, for me, of course there's a right outcome, but I don't think there is for um, how people will give me stick. Because if we beat Sheffield United, they say, oh yeah, it's to be expected. We gave you a good game though, didn't we? When we beat them. They spin it round on their side. If, If it's a draw, then I'll get stick. If Sheffield United beat us, I'll get stick. So I don't officially start work until the Monday, a week on Monday after the game. So I can hide, I can lay low for a week if necessary. Oh no, I think you'll be fine. My fingers crossed hopefully at the weekend, but it's not like you're miles away. Crikey, you're in Sheffield. It's, 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 it's literally the, 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 the next stop north really when you, when you go past these millions. Um, anyway, that's you. That's uh, to come this weekend. Uh, that's why we're slightly late in uh, in doing this podcast, only by a day or so. We're meant to be doing it actually on Thursday, but it's Wednesday evening as we speak. And as we speak, James Madison, uh, by all accounts, has been called into the England squad, along with Mason Mount, uh, probably on the back of that the one game <laughs> uh, last weekend. But uh, yeah, they've they've been called up. Leicester drawing away at Chelsea, playing very well for one half. Um, not playing well for the first half, but Chelsea did. Uh, I was working at the cricket at the time, so I watched parts, listening to the end, and then I've had debriefs, seen what's happened on Twitter, spoken to a lot of people, and then watched. I was going to watch the second half, but I pretty much sat down and watched the entire 90 minutes roughly again. Uh, so, uh, you know, as going through the game goes, I'm... I think I'm pretty clued up on on what kind of happened. How did you watch? Did you where what who and how? Very similar to you. Yeah, I managed to catch some glimpses of the of the footage itself mainly through listening though because I was a uh, I was away for the weekend with the other half's family at a nice rural retreat in Shropshire. So what what, um, what family what what um what team uh are they? Are they are they are they blues? Are they are they? They're what? a mixture. There's um, there's only two that are really into football. One is a season a dual season ticket holder at Burton Albion and <coughs> Derby County, and right. the other is uh, a big Liverpool fan. 
but I suppose if you're from that kind of area, Burton Derby, there you go. I suppose. Oh, so so you you couldn't really take note, but you you've seen seen back what's happened over the weekend. Yeah, I had it on in my ear the whole time, and then when I could get decent enough signal, I got some footage of the game, and then I've, as you have watched and read and studied and analysed post match afterwards, and yeah, it's, and it's quite the classic. It is quite easy, the classic game of two halves. Get the cliche in there. It is. It was. It's quite easy when it is the main Super Sunday game because it's replayed so many times that it gets. Uh, spoken about an awful lot uh, it, because it was one of the main games. Neville and Carragher go through it on Monday Night Football and because it was Chelsea and Frank Lampard, it was given a lot of coverage as well. So um, we were given quite a big platform on the weekend and it was the classic game of two halves, wasn't it? It's very easy to say 1-1 one, one possibly is the right result, but in terms of both halves, Chelsea, with the advantage in the first half, playing really well, Coming out of the uh, at the gates a million miles an hour, getting the early goal could have gone two three up, but I feel overall Leicester had the better of the second half. And if you weigh those two up, Leicester I think were just slightly in front of where Chelsea were at half time. If you get my drift, we had we were better in the second half than Chelsea were in the first half. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Our Second hour, forty-five minutes on top. We were more on top than they were in their forty-five minutes. I, I get where you're going with that, yeah. And the the one thing is, every team can start slow. We we've started slow, and it may be something that Leicester needs to just just keep an eye on. And I'm sure it will be uh, through the coming weeks. Something that fans will look at, and and the management as well, saying we, we do need to start better, but. The one thing that I will look at is because it was Chelsea's first home game with Lampard, they were sent out, there was a lot of uh, debutants at home, Mason Mount, a perfect example for him, and it was, it's a new team. And because of their game in midweek, whether they were given, look, go straight from the start, get the goals early, because they knew they were maybe going to possibly fade late on. And then even Leicester could maybe change their approach slightly to go keep it tight for the first twenty odd minutes and then play our football in the second half because of the fading Chelsea because of what I've just mentioned. That maybe was at the background of things, but no one could obviously have predicted the the start for Chelsea in terms of them scoring and Didi. Just a ricket, isn't it? It's a it's a straightforward ricket. I would put seventy five percent of the blame on Ndidi and I'd give credit to Mount because it was a good tackle and the way he prodded the ball clear meant that he could just then take a shot and he, he did well to score and so yes it was a, a real error by Ndidi completely his fault but it was good play by Mount but after that they could have scored another and Kante great tackle by Fuchs uh, Schmeichel making a few decent saves and it was just keep it at 1-0 lads yeah, and that's what we managed to do. I think you're right in terms of the fact that the that both teams' mentalities led to the game being so um, topsy-turvy, if you like, one-sided in one half, one-sided in the other. Chelsea were always going to be buoyant at the start. Um, Frank Lampard's homecoming, if you like, the crowd were always going to be well up for it and that will have given the players the boost. Um, and Leicester 
on the road against a team that finished top four last season. You can't really blame them for trying to make sure that they're in the game come halftime, and 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 they were. Like you say, good challenges, good last line of defence from Leicester, and at one nil down, it it needed the the change in impetus after the break from Leicester. Don't get me wrong, they couldn't have come out and played another forty five minutes like that and and been in the game still. But to be in the game at one nil down and know you got forty five minutes still in your hands to to turn things around and to approach the game in the way that you want to absolutely was was possible and and we proved that and I think we'll spend more time with the second half and and going through most of the players and we'll start with Ndidi who redeemed himself with the goal and you could tell by his celebration that it was a kind of look up we're all square he was doing a kind of chop motion which I interpreted as being that's leveling off the error for the goal great celebrations in the away end lots of great photos taken of the fans and and limbs all over the place that sort of thing and a, a, an amazing jump by Johnny Evans there's a, there's a still photo of Johnny Evans <laughs> he must have jumped about four or five foot in the air and Soyuncu really looks like he's part of the team now but one thing with Ndidi is that he doesn't score many goals we know he's shooting his way off he scored a couple of a decent shots from distance but then again anyone can do that Let's go back to Robbie Savage, always scored one goal at least a season for Leicester from 30 yards. But with Ndidi, it's from corners. It's the lack of height that Leicester have. Because Maguire took up all the attention in the penalty area because of his size, and, and rightfully so, and he was a great header of the ball in both penalty areas. But now we don't have that. So Yunchu and Evans do get forward, but we're quite a small side, which was massively obvious against Wolves at home, who are quite a tall side themselves. But the lack of height means that the emphasis on someone like Ndidi being in the penalty area, he will be one of the focal points. And the uh, the height he got from a standing position, it wasn't like he's ran in 15 yards and, and then leapt. He's got a proper leap on him, and he's a tall individual himself. So it, it, we could see... Indeed, he's scoring more or being the main focal point of crosses into the penalty area from corners and free kicks because of the leap he's got. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the first of a few goals from a player who's only scored maybe once a season, possibly before that. But a good header. And then we just we just grew into the game. Other players who were impressive, I thought Fuchs deputised for Chilwell very well. In the middle of the park, you've got James Madison, who had... A, who was out wide for the first half and then dropped back in towards the central position and more number 10, and he took charge of the game. And when I was writing down bits and bobs throughout the game, I've got took hold slash bossed the game. Something that I've been massively critical for him. He goes wandering. He doesn't really get involved an awful lot. Even when he gets the ball, he'll maybe lose it. But he, you want this sort of person to be on the ball an awful lot and not give the ball away. How many times do you see the great tens, the great playmakers give the ball away? If the simple pass is there, do it. But want the ball all the time. Get the ball, release it quickly. If you turn your man and you start an attack, great. But don't keep on giving the ball away. And if it's not working out, all the tricks and flicks and passes, then again, keep it tight, keep it short, but keep the ball. And he really did boss the game. And it's one of the the first times he's done that against the big side. He's done it at home against teams where we've maybe 
and more than likely been in front and been dominating the game. He's done it away from home sometimes against sides who are looking to attackers who are maybe from mid-table or further down the division, but against some of the real big boys. This is one of the first times, he's done it in flashes, but for the second half and to get all the praise that he was given by the press and by commentators and who are watching that game and studying that game, it was mightily impressive and it was a shame he just couldn't score that goal. I was about to say I'm really pleased that you focused on all the positives of his performance, particularly in the second half. He was at the heart of most of the good things that Leicester did. I'm really pleased you started and you focused mainly on that rather than his his chance, shall we say, because I don't think people like us need to sit here and talk too much about that mischance by James Madison because he is a very switched on young man in terms of his um, his dedication to his game, if you like. He he will watch that. He, he He's already come out and said, you know, he that's what he practices for. Uh, he'll go back to the to the training pitch. You know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the kind of player who says to a teammate after training's finished, probably one of his mates, like Chilwell or something, look, just put in a few similar balls to the, the, to that ball that I, that I received at Chelsea uh, and watch me bag every single one of them just so that the next time he's in that situation, the, the sort of repetition is there, the practice is there. And that goes in the back of the net and Leicester come away with a 2-1 win. And I'm really pleased that you you spun the positive light on Madison's performance because he tried against Wolves. He, I, I don't think he went as, as as missing as he can do. It just wasn't quite coming off. Um, but it's nice to see at Chelsea that he got on the ball. He kept getting on the ball. He kept making things happen. And when he's on his game, he provides a vital link for us to make things happen in and around the the opponent's defensive third around the penalty edge of the penalty area those balls in behind if their defense are pushing up the little weighted passes between the lines if it's all a bit enclosed and he really managed to do that the game was very stretched at, l- at large periods of the second half you've got to say um and i think you're right in terms of saying that chelsea uh were tiring i read um some analysis from pat nevin uh, does my head in sometimes, but he's he's a real stickler for analysing the, the, the really finer details of the game. Uh, and he said that he doesn't think Frank Lampard will be too worried uh, that Chelsea are tailing off towards the end of games at the moment because they, the key players didn't get anywhere near as many runs of 90 minutes in a, in, in, in sort of consecutively in pre-season as, as they should have. So the sort of match fitness, the match stamina will continue to build over the next few weeks. But it, I think it really showed with the gaps that appeared on the pitch in the second half. And Madison worked hard to make sure that he was the person occupying those uh, and to keep us on the front foot. A difference in the two sides, I believe, with Chelsea dropping down to their position that they are in now through all sorts of bits and bobs. And we'll just leave it at that because it's Chelsea and not Leicester. But Leicester, for me... If you look at the performance compared to, yes, it was a victory away at Chelsea last season, but this was a better performance. The second half was one of the best halves I've seen Leicester play for a long time. It was a great game as well. The, the second half, obviously, the first half, not, not so much, but the second half was, was a really good half of football. And it was a it was a mightily encouraging half. Massive critic of Madison as I am because 
there is such a good player there. You're always a critic more of of the better players who have the potential to be a a, a real top class player, and, and and there he was fulfilling all the all the all the hope and all the all the talent that he has and that we have for him uh, in terms of hope in that half, and that's exactly what we want and what. Not what we expect, but it, it's what we hope that he can achieve. And if he does, then he will be an England regular. And he will be the player who hopefully lifts Leicester into a higher position. And who knows, in the future, go for hundreds of millions. You never know. But fantastic from him. Brilliant. Fantastic. Just a shame with that chance. And I agree with you. You, you can't you know, blame anyone for missing a chance. He missed a chance we move on. Vardy, I thought, was very sharp up top. It would nice for him to get. It would be nice for him to get a goal this weekend to get off uh, for the season. But you know, looking sharp, and and it was just a good performance all round. And there was a lot to take from it. If you look at the season overall, two draws against two solid sides. Wolves drawing against Manchester United. They're going to be there or thereabouts once they've figured out the the whole Europa League thing. So it's a good start. I would put down a good solid start. The pink kit. Um, I'd be interested to know what people thought. I don't mind it at all. I don't. I don't mind it. I think in the King Power, looking at the supporters against Wolves, it looked quite nice in terms of the blue and then bits of pink everywhere. That looked okay. I mean, generally any kind of shirt would really. But uh, in the away end, yeah, great, fine. And on the pitch, it looked good. And a lot of people, in fact, a hundred percent of people who watched that game who are not Leicester fans, always. All commented on the kit, and 100% of them said they like that. I like that shirt. It's not bad with the black shorts. It's it's all right, isn't it? Quite like that. So yeah, a, a, a nice kit, which I know doesn't mean a, an awful lot, but uh, but we will be wearing it. I think quite a few times this season. Yeah, it got some attention as well, didn't it, from various media and social media outlets, and I think. After its first outing, the reviews generally were pretty positive. I'd say the same as you, Peter. I, I, I don't mind it at all. It's, it's. I'm not. I, I do quite like looking at the kits, and I used to be more sort of bothered about the kits when I was a, a kid and and stuff than I am particularly now. But it's still nice to to know that your team, to, for your team to sort of look good, or for the fans to sort of look good in the in the stands when they're there supporting the team and and that pink shirt does does do it justice really um before we move on can we just while we're talking about merchandise God. had a bit of a rant didn't we about the uh the people kicking off about the free hats oh. um they yeah. were the they were they were the nice ones weren't they they were the the navy ones with the club crest on them they were the, a, a very very decent free gift from our very benevolent owners yeah, I I don't remember saying, I I remember saying on the previous episode regarding it, but I think we said at the time, is there any proof that they're going to be pink? We said that they could be and probably will be the either black or very navy blue, kind of a standard design cap and and yeah, the nice ones, and it turned out to be that way. So, a kind of an in your face to the. Uh, you know the, the 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 tin hat brigade on uh, on social media regarding uh, any free gifts, and and I think yeah, one or two people might look at that and go, actually, let's yeah, let's let's calm down a bit when it comes to it. But just back to the uh, the pink now. This might be complete nonsense. So I've just thought of it whilst you were talking. Then, um, with the young, exciting team, your Chilwells, your Madisons, and 
indeed is that you know when you're looking from the outside in at the club the new exciting young players at Leicester who's going to be the next superstar are going to break in and then you've got this kind of edgy pink kit as well it does kind of reflects the side at the moment if you know what I mean that it, it's a it's an exciting new team trying to break into that top echelon apart from the season a few years ago and we've got this kit that kind of matches that is that complete nonsense or do you roughly know what I'm talking about I can see where you're going with it I don't know what <laughs> I don't know whether the design was because of, of with that in mind but you're right it, it's the kind of style and color that some of the um sort of the more the, the younger members of the squad if you like because they're big if you follow them on social media the likes of Madison and Chilwell they're big on their fashion I've got to say Ben Chilwell's fashion sense on the whole is pretty questionable I'm not sitting here um but by any means a fashionista but I think no. <laughs> most people who follow Ben Chilwell on social media will know that he throws up some very questionable outfits but you know that might be what's in these days and I've got no idea what I'm talking about and our younger listeners will be like shut up Rob go back to putting your chinos on and your desert boots you old man um, <laughs> but you know I think you're right it's it, they do you know you couldn't have somebody like I'm trying to think. You know, you couldn't have somebody like a, a pair like Matt Elliott and Jerry Taggart try and do all the all the advertising and all the promo stuff for a pink kit. You know, they just weren't stylish enough. They were rugged, rough, tough centre backs. Whereas, you know, Madison Chilwell, uh, Gray, who I'd like to talk about from a footballing sense in, in a little while as well. You know, they're they're the kind of younger generation. They use social media. They do rightly or wrongly influence people they are role models for young people in today's society so i think they are the right people to carry off this kit yeah and also it's a style as well just thinking maybe the old wimbledon or kind of a a burnley or a a a, a card you know are you talking like these kind of longboard merchants but longboard merchants probably uh (laughs) turning up with some big bruises in the team and they all turn up wearing pink doesn't quite work when you've got you know a good looking side like we have, it's uh, it, it does kind of work anyway. That's enough with the pink kit. We're talking, yeah, and say we, we anyway. Um, defensively, Evans and Soyunchu, another big tick next to Soyunchu, early stages looking good. We'll we'll just carry on with him at centre half and we'll go from there. Um, the, the rest of the team, we'll, we'll, we'll go with Gray then because that was um, an interesting line from. Brendan Rodgers regarding Gray um, regarding the fact that he wasn't in the first team squad um, and he wants more he wants him to show him more and it's no slight on him as a person or or him in training it's just about him being a footballer and being part of the squad he wants more Dennis Pratt uh, came on for Leicester Look, look decent actually and he's obviously overtaken him up because he was on the bench but with Gray it seems to me that we have now gone to another level in terms of what the manager wants from the players. He wants them to go up to that next notch because if not, because of what we have in the squad, they're not going to make the bench. So it's proper sink or swim time when it comes to a number of players, especially Gray. And I think a lot of people will probably listen to this going, well, about time. And for me, I say 
it's probably about time for his own career and especially his career at Leicester. Yeah, I'd completely agree. It's something that we've been saying um, on and off for a good couple of years, really. It's when is he going to step up to the next level? Or or the question rather should be, is he capable of it? Certain players have a certain level of ability and that is that. You, you, as a coach, you can do so much. You know, you can see, you can have coaching on the mental side of the game, the physical side of the game, the technical side of the game. But some players just reach a certain level of ability, and that is that. And if that is the case with Damari Gray, then at the moment he does not offer enough to be in Leicester's match day squad, and that and that is as, it is as simple as that. It's not a Gray's become a terrible player. He's not. He's a good player, and. If um, he stays in the squad in the 25 and he gets in because of courtesy of a couple of injuries or whatever um, later down the line and he gets his chance to show himself, maybe that extra 5% kick up the backside will drag out of him what he's shown in glimpses over the past couple of years in a Leicester shirt. But until that moment where he can produce that week in, week out, off his own back. You know, if, he, if you're saying to him, look, you're starting this game on merit because you're going to go out there and you're going to give us 90 minutes of hard work, of impetus, of directness on the wing, then yes, you can start. But until you can show that, absolutely not. And, and, and that's the thing. If Brendan Rodgers has seen him very closely, seen a lot of him since he came in early this year, and he doesn't think he's up to starting, doesn't think he offers Leicester enough off the bench. Harvey Barnes comes back from his loan spell at West Brom and gets ahead of him in the pecking order, is now ahead of him in the pecking order. Mark O'Brien is has been a Premier League winger for, what, it's got to be 10 years, isn't it? So he, you know exactly what you're going to get from him um, as an impact substitute, which I think he is his role, certainly in the early stages of this season. So... There is no space for Damari Gray. And, you know, senior players, as Damari Gray is now, he's been at the club for so long, he's made so many first-team appearances for us in Birmingham that he's got to be classed as a senior player in terms of a a professional and experienced professional. They're going to find themselves missing out on places in the squad. Christian Fuchs wasn't in the match day squad last weekend. Um, and then he starts and, and puts in a, a proper shift, let me say. That is exactly the kind of professional you need at your football club. Regardless of his age, um, I'm so glad that we kept him on for this season as well because I think it will help Chilwell. But it offers us a real, real strength in in depth at left back because there certain positions there'll be times where you think, oh no, that player's injured. Um, who's going to come in? Or we've got to change our style of play a little bit because so and so's coming in. Or keep an eye on so-and-so. Nobody batted an eyelid. Um, I, I wanted to know why Fuchs was in instead of Chilwell. Um, I wondered if it was ballsy from Brendan Rodgers because Chilwell what, didn't put in his best performance in the opening day of the season, but it turns out he had a minor injury, which is absolutely fine. But at no point did I ever question Christian Fuchs' ability at left back, and that is such a good um, asset to have in your squad. That tackle he put in to stop Kante scoring was unbelievable. Really, like it's the kind of challenge that a 22-year-old fullback puts in, not 34 or whatever age he is now. So Damari Gray needs to look at professionals like Fuchs and say, right, I need to be ready to help the team, but I need to be able to prove it. And at the moment, there is no proof. It's still potential, and you can't 
live off potential forever. He is one of the senior members of the side because he's a Premier League winner. He's been there and played in Europe. He's been there through the glory years and he's there now as a senior member of the side who is watching players banded around in the same breath because of their age, playing regular football in the Premier League, being called up to senior level of the England side with James Madison now ineligible for the under-21s. And I imagine that Demar Gray is pretty much in the same boat as well. So that will be another weight on his shoulders in terms of seeing people progress further than him. And there'll be a time as well, Rob, where players from the under-21s and the under-18s who are coming through, like Chowdhury, but other players who are impressing, will start to overtake him as well because the management will want to give them a chance on the bench in games and also in cup competitions. And they wouldn't want someone like Gray to halt their progression. We don't know what we have yet in terms of these young players coming through. There's one or two, by the sounds of things, that have been given a bit of a word that's buzzing around the club saying these could well be included in match day squads in the future, especially in cup competitions, but they like the look of one or two. So Gray, for me, he really does need to do what Brendan Rodgers has said, and I like the fact that he's been public with it. There's no hiding behind silence. There's no questions by the supporters of, oh, what's happened to Damari Gray? The challenge has been thrown down to him. But also, if you're Damari Gray as well, let's just say it doesn't work out, for example, and he does move on, then that's the natural progression of some players. Then that's fine, and he'll go for some decent money, and he'll go to a decent side, and good luck to him. But we await and see what happens for me i hope he really does make it and he and he kicks on i have massive massive doubts i think we've probably seen the last of demari gray in as a regular starter for leicester things progress so much and leicester are moving forward and i think gray has been one of those players who just hasn't done it and hasn't progressed but again he's got he's got a, a a medal and he's He's had a good time at Leicester. I'm not writing him off in the slightest, but 90% of me kind of is because I just don't think he has it upstairs. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he really has that that bite to be a top-level player, which you need to be to get in the first team. And he'll probably move on. He could even move on in January if he's not involved. You never know. But we'll, we'll cross that hurdle when we get there. This weekend, your local side is playing your local side. Sheffield United against Leicester at Bramall Lane, uh, one of the oldest grounds uh, in the world. I went there for the uh, the Women's uh, Cup final. It's, uh, it's a strange ground. It's a mixture of old and new. You've got pylons. You've got uh, quite a lot of atmosphere. Big cop behind one goal. Strange away end. But a three o'clock kickoff and a side who have started really well. They, they play... Some good football. They've they've gone through the leagues. Wilder, one of the most successful managers in the last five or six years with getting promotion. And they've started really well. A, a late equaliser, sharp away at Bournemouth. And then a win at home against, you have to say, a real poor Crystal Palace side. But they've got that victory. Four points from the two games. And it's going to be a difficult game. Playing these sides early. Look at Norwich, the way that they've started. Sheffield United, they're going to want to get points on the board before teams start to figure them out and before playing regularly in Premier League starts to maybe take its toll on, on some players. They're still riding the crest of a wave from all these promotions. But 
it has to be a game that Leicester go into looking for nothing else but three points. Yeah, I completely agree. It's going to be a difficult game because of the circumstances of it. It's um, it's only the second time they'll, they'll be playing at Bramall Lane in the in the Premier League this season. Um, and if the spirit and the sort of buzz around the city is anything to go by, Bramall Lane for the entire season will be a real, real atmospheric place. I mean, it, it, it's got its own real place in, in football, in history anyway. It's, a, it's quite a famous ground in this country. But I don't think I fully appreciated the the atmosphere that it generated, but also the atmosphere um, within the city. I've been fortunate enough that some of the... Uh, I've joined a football team up here and everyone wanted to know what it was like in Leicester when we won the, the Premier League a few years ago. Um, and, and I said, do you know what? It, it was obviously euphoria because we were celebrating the completely outrageous, really, uh, and I talked about parade at uh, the day of the parade, quarter of a million people out on the streets. I said, but in terms of the overall impact that it had on the the city, Sheffield United being back in the Premier League and and making such a good start, I I can see similarities here in Sheffield as as those that that sort of occurred in Leicester based on our success. So. I think their 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 fan base is extremely passionate, especially for a two club city as well, um, and that will make things very very difficult. It's it's good I think as well for the Premier League to have English managers, but also English managers of of who've got a connection to the club. Chris Wilder's a Sheffield United fan. You know, you're looking at um, Dean Smith at Villa. He's a Villa fan. Uh, on a slightly less uh, positive note, Steve Bruce is a Newcastle fan. Um, but we'll gloss over that one. But I think Chris Wilder will, if, as if the players didn't understand already, will channel that spirit of the city and of the supporters through their players. And, you know, best of luck to him because that kind of spirit alone, because their squad doesn't look the strongest, that kind of spirit alone can get you enough points to stay in the Premier League. And they'll they'll want to continue on this momentum as long as they can. You know, they're coming into this... Um, having had a good run in the championship last season, obviously the euphoria of promotion, uh, unbeaten in the first couple of games, late uh, goal to equalise through the talisman Billy Sharp, and then a victory in its own right against Palace. They're looking, they're looking good, and it will be difficult for Leicester. Uh, one thing's for sure: there is no way that Leicester can come to Sheffield United at the weekend and start like they did against Chelsea because they will be absolutely steamrolled. The place will be buzzing unless the, the players need to get in the faces of the Sheffield United players as quickly as possible, silence them, silence the crowd, and then I think we'll we'll be in a more comfortable position where we can win by, uh, by a goal or two. But I think it's imperative that as soon as that whistle goes, players like Vardy, Perez... Uh, hassling and harrying as quickly as they can. Force mistakes from what is a collection of good championship players, silence the crowd, um, and then I think we can take control of the game and play it in our own way. I agree. It'll be interesting with the team as well. Does he play Chowdhury and Ndidi in midfield? Does he drop maybe Tillemans back alongside Ndidi and then have... Maybe a Barnes come in for more of a counter attack. In that sense, it's it's interesting to see what he can do. Maybe maybe Pratt comes in. You never know. 
it will be interesting whether uh, Chilwell's back or whether they keep Christian Fuchs. They play with those split um, centre halves that gallop down the wing. Is you know a bit of a strange way of playing, but there you go. It's it, it worked for them. It'd be interesting with the team news. Uh, it's a game that I said Leicester need to go and and, and ex- not expect a victory, but we expect a victory going to a side like Sheffield United, but it's not going to be easy. They need to be able to keep the ball. This will be a different proposition to Wolves at home and Chelsea away, where they have kept the ball, especially against Wolves, very well. The highest percentage of any side didn't really do anything with it, but Wolves are a very good defensive unit. One of the best, in fact, I'd say, in, in the Premier League. But when it comes to keeping the ball against a team where you're expected to away from home, this is the first test, and I think Leicester really can step up. And I think I think we'll win. I think Vardy will bag. I think the later the game goes, the more chances Leicester will have because Sheffield United, if we're winning 1-0, will push forward. I think we have the ability to get a goal if we're behind, and maybe even with only 20 minutes to go, we're losing 1-0, for example. Sheffield will drop back, and they'll start to get a little bit nervous against a decent side for the first time this season at home, if they're leading, I still think that we'll have the ability to get an equaliser, get a winner as well. But uh, it's 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 a different test to what we've faced so far. And if we are going to progress, and that people people might be saying, well, it's only the third game this season, but the games come thick and fast and every game counts. That's why when you look back on the, the first two games of the season, it was great that we didn't lose. We haven't lost any ground and we've got points against some big sides. But... I'm going for a Leicester win, and I'm going for Vardy to score. I'm going for I'm going for um, I'm going for two one to Leicester, and I'm going for Vardy. I'm not entirely sure whether we're going to score first. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Sheffield United score first, but I then expect Leicester to, if they're in that position, go on and still get the three points. I'm going to go for a one nil, um, because. I don't know if Sheffield United have got the goals in them to score every game. Um, I'd like to see Sonchu, Evans and whoever plays at fullback to to get another clean sheet because um, I think you were right about Sonchu in particular. He's he's looking very much like a part of that eleven, not not out of place at all to the point where I think in. Uh, we said we'd come back and look at it every five games or so, but I think in five ten games you won't even feel the urge to talk about him because he's just he'll just be part of that team um so I'd like I, I agree with you about Vardy it was an interesting stat at half time against um uh in in the game at the weekend because um Vardy Chelsea. only got yeah I don't I had a complete complete brain fart then <laughs> and I completely forgot who we played um, I was trying to gloss over it, but thanks for highlighting that. That's all right, um, no worries. Take I think two. Vardy only had something like... I was trying so hard to remember the stat, I forgot who we played. Vardy had about seven touches, I think, in the first half, and one of them was the kickoff. Um, so I know he was much more involved in the second half, and like you say, he did look sharp. Um, and I think he'll be there or thereabouts for 20 goals again this season. Um, but it would be good for him to get up and running and get on the score sheet and get some service. And lineup wise I, I agree with you. I, I'd like to see... Um, I wouldn't like to see Hamza Chowdhury dropped. I don't, that's not the right way around to say it, but I don't think it's the game where we necessarily need him in the midfield. I think pull Tielemans back to play alongside Ndidi, get Tielemans to pull the strings from deep. Madison in the hole, 
Barnes wide one side. I, I want to stay with Perez. Um, this uh, we'll talk about Perez in a minute. There's something I wanted to raise an article that I read about him, but Perez the other side, uh, and then Vardy to get the goal. Yeah, and look, it doesn't matter who plays at left back, and I think the rest of the team will be the same. Yeah. I'd like to hear what you're going to say about Perez. I I have him down on my list, but I, because of again two games in, he, he hasn't been spectacular in his start. A few nice touches against Wolves. He was disappointed against Chelsea, but I don't like him out wide. I don't think he's quick enough. But then again, do those wide players alongside the number 10 play really wide? I don't think so. I think if you're an Albrighton or a Barnes, naturally you would. But I can't see any reason why if Perez is playing to the right of a Madison who's in the centre. That right is only 10 yards or so. We're not asking him to stand out wide and beat a man. Barnes will naturally do that on the on the other side. So I, I think he can still play in that role and they will chop and change and swap over. And if you are counter-attacking, then you're not going to be rigid in that place anyway. But I'm not sure what you're going to say about Perez, so I'll hand over to you. But I will just kind of still give him time and I'm not too worried at all about what could be perceived as a slow start. No, I, I read an article. It, was, it wasn't it was from the most reputable of sources. Um, so I'm not, I, I just want to sort of discuss it really openly here um, about him uh, potentially being not off. It, it did, the, the headline was flop and I don't think flop's the right, the right way to, to describe it. But, for him to perhaps not have as much of an impact as as maybe we first hoped and I know we've look we've only had two games so this isn't the time to actually cast judgment on that I just want to sort of raise it as a as a point to keep an eye on is the fact that he's come into the club for a bit of money all right the money is now there because of the TV deals etc and that's how much players like Perez cost these days um he's come straight into the starting lineup he played a lot in pre-season uh, missed a game I think through a, a niggle but started both of the games on the right hand side of an attacking midfield three whatever you want to call it whatever the formation we're playing at the minute nobody's quite sure um, and he hasn't got as involved as I think Leicester fans would have liked We'd, we you, you're always questioning now as a Leicester fan because we get so many transfers right but the ones that we get wrong we get really wrong you're always keeping an eye on it and you're always just wondering wondering whether this is going to work out or not. Now, the, the benefits and the positives to the signing of Perez, we've discussed in previous podcasts, is the fact that he's well experienced in the Premier League. He scored double figures last season for a very poor Newcastle side and he played in what was essentially a 5-4-1 formation that Newcastle were playing for much of last season as one of the wingers with Rondon as the sort of target man up top and him going up as the key supporter. And if you look at our formation, we arguably ask less of him defensively than Newcastle did and put him in more positions to to bag goals. So he might just need an assist or a goal to to say, right, okay, this is where I belong. Because he came from sort of mid-table Spanish teams. Nobody really heard of him before he came to Newcastle. Uh, He was highlighted as one of Newcastle's best players, but nobody really would have then said, Ayose Perez, starting player for a team wanting to break into the top six so it's about whether he believes that he can make that next step up and it's a similar 
um, situation to Damari Gray in some ways, in the sense that does Iosi Perez have enough belief in himself to take up towards that next step? Because we are a step above Newcastle. There's no getting away from that. Um, in terms of ability levels and aspirations, right now at this moment, we are a few steps ahead of Newcastle. So Iosi Perez's ability has got to be a few steps higher for him to be keeping his place in the team, uh, affecting games positively and picking up goals and assists and, and supporting our goal-scoring goal exploits. So I just wanted to sort of park that thought there. Um, I know it's too early to cast judgment, hence I haven't cast said judgment, but just want to keep an eye on, I think. I completely agree. I don't think he's been ultimately disappointed in his performances. I don't think he's been terrible. So in two strange games, he wasn't by far the worst player on the pitch against Wolves. He was similarly effective as someone like a Madison, i.e. they didn't really create chances and the, and, and the shots that they had were blocked and the, the one or two came from other areas in that game. And then against Chelsea, it was a good all-round performance in the second half, highlighted by the, the standout performance by Madison, especially uh, alongside someone like Vardy and, and the defence as well as Fuchs. So just because he wasn't a standout performer, yeah, let's just wait and see with, with Perez. And when it comes to transfer fees, that's the norm now for Leicester. It's the norm for the Premier League, but we're in with the big boys. We're going to be signing players now for that amount of money. And and just before we before we finish, uh, back to Soyuncu, not Soyuncu himself in the way he's played, but in terms of players that we've had at the club before, Benkovic is one, and I'm kind of half-hearting back to someone like a like a Gray. Like, there still is time for these players if they are good enough when they have the chance to take it. Soyuncu is a, is a perfect example of someone who has taken his chance. Yes, two games. Yes, big warning sign saying we're not judging the player uh, on on these two games, saying that he's the best player in the world and he's worth hundred million pounds. But he has started very well because of the chance he's been given. When these opportunities arise, look at Chowdhury. He's been given the chance in the side. He's taken it and now he's a regular starter for the club. When these players are given these chances, they need to take them. There's two examples of players who have. A player who hasn't and he's had loads of opportunities is Gray. So that's there's your there's your example of someone taking their chance. And, it, and we don't have to go out and sign all these big-name players because we do have these players who are signed for between 5 and £15 million, pounds, which is still a lot of money, who we have at the club. And once they're given their chance, there you go. It, it does happen. It'll be interesting when we eventually, if we do, see, see Benkovic on the field. But I'll leave it at that. Um, the one thing we'll touch on last, as we do, is the Fancy League. Now. One more, one more thing. Oh, Sorry, no. Pete. Before oh, we go to fantasy, we've had a couple of departures from the club this week, haven't we? We've um, uh, long, longest-serving player Andy King has gone on loan to to Rangers. I don't think that's a surprise by any stretch. He, we talked about him um, quite extensively in the last couple of episodes about him being a one-club man, etc., and, and what that means to him in terms of loyalty, etc. Um, I, I hope he has a great season up there at Rangers. I think he'll. He's got the ability to to put on a real show in the Scottish Premiership, such as its level, um, and 
best of luck to him because it, it, there'd be no point in him sitting around not getting game time at Leicester because we've moved on. He's one of those players that's not quite at the level that our squad needs to be at now and that's no disrespect to Andy King whatsoever. Um, the one I wanted to mention was Islam Slimani, who's gone on loan to Monaco. Um, and a few question marks on social media as to whether that leaves us a little bit light in the forward department. We've just discussed Perez playing out wide or centrally as an attacking midfielder. Uh, Vardy, we want him to get amongst the goals as soon as possible. Ian Acho is obviously the backup striker. Um, do you think Slimani's departure leaves us light, Pete, or do you think he was never really going to get... We were never going to have any need for him anyway, so shipping him off on loans the best thing to do. I think probably yes is the answer to both of those, as in we are light, because if touch wood, touch everything, that Vardy is missing for one reason or another, Iniacho comes in, but then behind that you have your Perez, but he's is he a number nine? Where's the other centre-forward? Slomani possibly would be that person, but... Slimani for me was never going to be part of the first team squad. I don't think it was in Rogers' plans. I think it's just a matter of time before he departs permanently. I think the reason of that is transfer fees and people don't want to pay uh, a perceived amount of money for a guy who's got a bad injury record over the last few years. Monaco have signed, I think they unveiled about three, uh, five or six players today. Slimani, one of them, they're probably paying his wages or a substantial part of his wages. There's a link there now with Silver uh, going there on loan and then obviously buying Tillemans as well. So there is a kind of a link between the two clubs, which is great. You know, the, these links do last for a long time as well. So so that is good. But I, I think it's just Slomani was never going to be part of Rogers' plans. There he goes. Does it leave Leicester light? Yes, it does. But also, if we did have problems, I don't think Slomani probably would have been the player coming into the squad anyway. But I don't know when, and we, I should really find out, when we need to declare the 25-man squad or 23-man squad, whatever it is, for the Premier League. I'd imagine it's in a, a few weeks because of the um, because of the transfer window in Europe, possibly. I'm not entirely sure. We'll have to try and find that out because that is massively important. But uh, I don't think he was going to be part of the plans anyway. No, that's exactly my viewpoint on it as well. If if we are unlucky enough to lose Vardy and Iheanacho to injury, you know, you've got to start Perez up front, but it's highly unlikely that all three of those are going to be out of action. And if they are, we'll find another way around it. I mean, Messi plays as a false nine sometimes, so why can't someone like James Madison? Exactly. We'll find ways around it. Hopefully it doesn't come to that, but I don't think Slomani would have been part of the plans and uh, and we'll see how he gets on down there. And I think he's played his last game for Leicester. I can't see him ever playing for Leicester again and he'll probably go out on loan this season and maybe move for a free transfer whenever his um, contract ends. And I think a number of players are probably on the same level as that. Wait and see. There's still plenty of time for players to move abroad. Still got a week or so left of their transfer window. I think it's the end, probably the end of uh, August. Uh, I think the the deadline is so maybe even maybe in a week and a half or so. Um, so we've done Chelsea. We've done the futures of players who aren't playing. How players have improved and fingers crossed Madison kicks on from here and continues that good form. Fancy football time to finish the podcast every week. Uh, the alarm bells are ringing. I have done my wild card. Now, for people who are not entirely sure what that means, that means that you can make unlimited transfers 
and it's basically you're saying your team is not what you expected you've got a lot of problems and you're going to change everything you can use on the if you're part of the for fox sake league you can use your wild card up until i think it's sometime in december and then you've got another one to use uh, for the second half of the season so i've used mine already um because i had a terrible last week and so a few of the players aren't playing let's go through the top 10 10th place, Concept FC, Concept Concept, with 131 points. In 9th, Jim Chapman, the Silverdale Fox, 133 points. In 8th place, Phil Berridge, Snobbert Rodgrass United, 134 points. In 7th, it's Luke Taylor with Leicester City, with the AH and the EH on the end, 135 points, so not a lot between these. In 6th is Scott Kersey, the Modern Leopards, 136 Top 5, Joe Healy with Vardy Annuals, 141 points. In 4th, Damian Garcia, Fox Blues, 144 points. In 3rd is Graham Jones, Life on Mares, 146 points. Then a bit of a jump to the top 2, Alex Ekonomu, which I think I said your surname probably wrong there. Video killed the Saudio, 160 points. 88 points on the week he got. That's extraordinary. But he's one point behind top of the league, Gav Brown, with Saigon Foxes, 161 points. So Gav leads the way. Let's just have a quick look on Alex's team. 88 points. Oh, he had Pookie. He had Mane as captain. De Bruyne. He had Lundstram for uh, Sheffield United. Uh, yeah, very nice. Vardy, Tillemans, Perez. So he's got uh, a few left to play. So 161 leads the way. Scroll all the way down to 49th place for Super Frank Sinclair. My team, 28 points. I'm on 100. Uh, Rob Hayes, the guy who yes. doesn't play fancy football, 61 points last week, 100, yeah. 110 points, and you're in 27th. Yes. I've got to say, I, 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 we don't do the stats in that much depth, but I've got to be one of the week's, one of the week's biggest climbers. I've, I've got the fourth best score in the entire week in the For Fox Sake League. Sound the siren, sound the alarms. Rob Hayes has had a good week on fantasy football. Rest assured, people, it will not last. I will continue to tumble down the the standings, and it is my um, my job and my responsibility to finish last in this league. I think and prop everybody else up and make everybody else feel better about their fantasy football. So for this week and this week alone, I'm going to celebrate. I had Manny as my captain. I had De Bruyne. They basically brought home all the points for me. I even I, I even put Dwight McNeil on the bench and he got an assist. I could have had even more points. But, you know, I'll take that. It's a big climb because, you know, when we came around to talking about fantasy football last week, I was not looking forward to it. But this week, much better. And I've leapfrogged you, which I think is my, my main aim of this season. Well, that's nice to know. We are on week two, by the way. I mean, it's so early, it's unreal. Uh, yeah, just I, I love how the fact that you've counted how many points that you've had compared to everyone else. So you know that you're fourth best. The listeners need to know the weekly stats, week. Pete. The listeners need to know the <laughs> weekly stats. They need to know <laughs> one... that at least one of us on this podcast has got some idea what they're talking about. 
You're twenty seventh <laughs> of I don't know how many's in there. I think there's about seventy odd. You're twenty seventh. Yes, I'm forty ninth. I'm nearly dropping off the they only do the top fifty. Oh my god. Um, hopefully my wild card works out. So yeah, that's uh, that's good. So one sixty one is the current leader uh on in the league. You on where are you? Twenty seven. You're on hundred and ten, so you're still miles behind. And I you're only ten ten points ahead of me. Anyway, right, we'll forget this. Two one Leicester or one nil. That'll do. Easy three points, and then you can march around your new local neighbourhood uh, with your blue shirt on with pride whilst looking around you all the time, just in case you get jumped on. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was going to say I hope so, but I might have to exercise some caution and just wear it around the house. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for listening to For Fox Sake. Do get in contact. At FFS Pod is the Twitter handle. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in For Fox Sake Podcast. Give us a like on there. You can listen on your mobile phones through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, as it used to be called. You can listen to iTunes on your laptop. You can listen through SoundCloud. Uh, any other way possible, I'd imagine we're on that platform, hopefully. Anyway, we'll be back next week, hopefully on the back of the first victory of the season and Leicester remaining unbeaten. What a good position that would be. Just think, this time next week, we could have five points and be unbeaten in the league. That'll uh, make everyone have a bit of a skip in their step. Fingers crossed for Vardy, open his record for the season. Fingers crossed for three points. We'll be back next week. 